It is June 28th. We are back with another episode of Safety Stock. I'm Will Davis. This is Dan Megita. Dan, happy start of summer. I know. It's it's great. We totally botched it last week, our one-month running gag. But we were too excited to see each other last week that we totally forgot to announce it was summer. But here we are. It's summer. It's summer. The solstice has passed, but... It's not too far away in the horizon, so that's okay. And, Dan, we have a pretty sweet episode on the docket for today. When I think of all the different things we're going to talk about, I think of specifically, if you were a small company, a lot of times you wonder, should I use a distributor or not? Whether it be for raw materials, whether it be for packaging, should you use an expert who knows what they're talking about, pay a little bit more? Should you keep inventory on hand? We're going to get into that. But before we do that, let's get into the news. Yeah, exactly. So obviously, busy, busy weekend here. But um, let's start off with a great one here. Um, Featured recently in a Netflix documentary, Abercrombie & Fitch paid millions in extra freight costs after the Vietnam lockdown. Saw their COGS cost of goods sold rise increasingly uh, over the last two quarters and most of it was due to air shipments well i think it's safe to say now they're going to need more girls to wear abercrombie and fish yeah such a great lfo song summer girls i like girls that wear abercrombie and fish i'll take her if i had one wish come on will you know the rest of the words she's been gone since that summer since that summer. summer. And also, Dan, it's disappointing from an Abercrombie and Fitch standpoint, but it's not unlike some of the other companies that we know that are dealing with some of the challenges, both related to containers, but also to their geographic locations being affected by COVID shutdowns. Exactly. And we've talked about also just other clothing manufacturers that have canceled purchase orders as well. Instead of air shipping, they're just canceling POs outright. Specifically on top of that, and this actually ties into our main topic, FedEx's new CEO outlines profit-boosting strategy as demand wanes. Will, what do you think of this new FedEx collaboration between Express and Ground um, to further boost profits? I think it makes sense. I think what they're seeing is that people are ordering less goods in terms directly to their home. They had two years of pent-up demand, which is now easing obviously inflation and some recession concerns are playing into that but i think they want to make better choices about which packages they're taking or which strategy they're taking in order to boost their profits as much as possible yep and then finally tying in tricor Braun acquires pb packaging which is one of the largest or maybe leading i should say australian provider of plastic and glass packaging and just further expanding Tricarbron into the Australia market, but more more globally as well. I know we're going to talk more about distributors and brokers any minute now, but well, overall thoughts, because Tricarbron has been very busy in this space uh, for the last couple of years, just further consolidating, buying out other distributors out there. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you you saw a lot of this, you know, a little while ago back with Barry like specifically, but they do a lot of injection molding and they've been buying a lot of companies that do injection molding. So they're not a distributor per se, but they were making a lot of purchases. You've seen the same thing with like KDC in the contract manufacturing space. And and now you're continuing to see more in the distributor space, specifically with Tricor, 
not only expanding in the U.S. and North America, but now they're going into Australia. They've gone into different, you know, Europe and Asia as they continue to go there. So it's interesting to see. And, and Dan, you're right that it leads to, you know, one of our main topics that we're talking about is that if you're a brand and in your, you know, whether it be a small company, medium-sized company, large company, you know, how do you think about distributors or brokers when it comes to your goods? And maybe it makes sense to take a step back and think, well, a distributor or broker is ultimately someone who you are paying for your goods and you are buying actually directly through them. And typically they are buying their goods through another party as well. And so why do people do that today, Dan? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can do it. I've experienced working with brokers. Um, the one way that makes it easy, and this was at a company that's just launching, well, you hope makes it a little bit simpler, where you can rely on somebody else. Obviously, you're going to be paying them a little bit of a premium just to manage everything because you're just running around and you just want to get launched and you hope your MOQs could be something, may not be as custom, it could be more stock. And you just want to take your foot off the pedal, metaphorically speaking, for yourself and let somebody else just handle responsibility and just get your products to launch as you're juggling other things. That's the main reason why people go to brokers. It's just a, it's just a time and where you put your resources right off the bat. Not many people know the supply chain landscape if they're starting on the upside. So they rely on those brokers, distributors to get them to those next levels who already have relationships with um, direct line of manufacturing and freight forwarders today. Yeah, I, I think you're you're especially right for those smaller and like medium sized companies. If you don't know what you're doing, a broker or distributor is a great way to ensure that you're at least getting what you are wanting from a launch perspective, whether it be packaging or from a raw material. Knowing that there may be regulations or implications for design or engineering that you're not aware of that the broker should know. Um, from the other standpoint, if you're a bigger company, there are certain large companies where you'll say, I need a service level agreement or a master service agreement, MSA, SLA. And some large companies that are providing physical goods, whether it be packaging or raw materials, they don't want to sign those for whatever reason. They may have um, issues with, you know, the force majeure. They may have issues with the penalties that certain companies try to put in place if they don't adhere to those agreements. And they say, I'm not going to sign it. And then for a lot of companies, they'll say, OK, well, we can't work with you. One way to get around that is by working with a broker or distributor who will purchase those goods on your behalf. But they'll also sign those SLAs or those MSAs so that then they will take on the financial responsibility in case something goes wrong. It's obviously a risk for those distributors, but they are financially getting paid for it based on um, what they need as an ongoing basis. Yeah, and one thing that could be favorable also with using brokers, maybe at the start, is most of them are US-based like established companies. So your payment terms could off the bat be a little bit better. You could be in say net 30 right away, as opposed to paying like upfront fees with direct to manufacturers. So you have some cash flow um, flexibility there. Obviously you're paying maybe 20 to 30% premium on that. So it's just the value of cash today versus the future. What's more important technically as the 
brand, you're placing this PO to the broker. So be really careful understanding like where the responsibility lies because most part the broker is then placing a PO to the manufacturer or the factory and then it has to import it. So if anything happens during production and approvals, you go through the broker. So you may lose some time because you actually may not have transparency who's actually producing your goods because you don't receive any of the paperwork because you don't really see the, the freight that details everything. So you do lose a level of transparency there. And that's something to be careful of as you grow. Um, if you can, if you know the manufacturers, obviously you can't really circumvent because there's probably contracts in place there, but you do lose a sense of transparency and time because you're going through a middleman. And if you want immediate action answers, you got to wait for them to go ask the question to the manufacturer. Then you got to wait for the response there. So it's a yeah. give or it's give or take. Right. There's definitely visibility issues. Pricing is going to be more expensive. And then we talk about ownership. Ownership's big. Whether you own the IP of the product you're producing, if you own the formulation, if you own the molds, those are extremely important because that will influence what you're able to do in case things go differently. Well, do you have any experience of working with these brokers or distributors in your uh, packaging days? Yeah, I think um, especially on the larger company side, you know, there were definitely distributors that we worked with in order to get around service level agreements. That was important. Um, there were certain things that, you know, they just did not want to sign and it was a problem, but we could go through a broker, get what we needed. And there was a place for it on the smaller side. Um, well, not even on the smaller side, but then I think the other interesting piece is, you know, finding out who owns your molds. And so I worked with, you know, a broker in the past where um, there was a thought that we owned the molds producing the specific good that we had. Um, but it turned out um, we we did not. And so they drew the line in the sand and saying, OK, well, if you want access to this shape, you're going to have to go through us. Or you can go directly to the person, but you're not going to be able to get that good because, you know, you don't know the shape. And we ended up tweaking it slightly to the point to where you could get around it from a patent. And then we went around, but it took some time. And obviously we never worked with that distributor again. Yeah. Molds are interesting because like technically you're paying the broker and they would own the tool. And so they could actually sell the mold to other customers, even though depending on how it's structured, which is a similar situation in the past as well. But uh, I thought they, for us, the interesting thing was when it came down to like Corrigate or just making like your shipping boxes and also paperboard with folding cartons was you always have to sign these like Epson proofs. So they would, you always like waste time. And, but also they're all in the U S so like I would always do a uh, site visit just cause it's easier to prove. So now you realize who's making your products. Cause it's not going to say like X broker on every, over every signage. So you would see who's doing it and you wouldn't circumvent, but you just be like, when you hit a certain scale and you're like, Oh, I can do this you just then start shopping this around to other companies because all you're paying for is an upfront cost of a die cut, cut or tooling. And then you're just finding other suppliers. So you hit a certain scale where it's like, you know what? I don't need a broker for certain domestic things. Maybe they're easier overseas because you don't want to handle the freight side. And you can actually, depending on what's happening globally, like 
right now, well, freight costs are going are decreasing, but the costs are such spot rates, they're not going to raise your costs. So say it's a dollar when it's quite it's a four-month lead time, and all of a sudden, like freight goes in, but your freight's baked into your dollar already. You can actually come out ahead sometimes with brokers because you're just locked into that finished good pricing. So it's actually like an interesting strategy sometimes where like you can play your cards right and win. And because then you just fight them. It's like, no, you're not raising, you can't raise the cost two and a half months later. I don't really care what global conditions say. The PO said a dollar, you already accepted it. You can adjust it on the next PO. So there's some strategies there. Obviously, uh, it could bite you the other way, uh, depending if they pocket the difference right now, like yeah. containers dropped from like 1,500 to just under 1,000. Yeah. So, and if you have some interesting things, share it with us. You can reach us at hello at anvil.com. That's A-N-V-Y-L.com. And if you found something interesting, tell your friends. Talk to you on Friday.